Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Thank you, ladies, for leading us so wonderfully this morning. We appreciate that and leading us in the presence of God and reminding us of why we're here today, to give him all the honor and all the glory and all the praise and to worship him. Thank you for being here uh, in the sanctuary and thank all of you who are joining us by live stream and Facebook Live. We welcome all of you and we pray, as we always do, that you feel the Lord's presence throughout this service as we sing praises, as we listen to his word read, and as we listen to his word spoken, may we respond in a way that he would have us respond to his message. Why don't you take a minute just to stand and wave at those around you and let them know you're glad they're worshiping with you. As we continue, you join lifting your voices to the King of Kings.
Y'all have one more to sing. Go ahead. <laughs> and Bill told me that. We're going to let you all sit down, but please keep singing with us. You can have a seat.
Amen. Thank you all for leading so beautifully, and sorry I came up too soon. As evidence, we all need the leadership of the shepherd in our lives, and I love the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one, and he is the one who leads us and who we trust and follow during this challenging time, but I'd like to welcome you here and welcome the Holy Spirit. We have come to bow down and worship. We have come to praise the Father and the Son and the Spirit, three in one. And we are thankful that you are here today. And every week, as the Holy Spirit leads, we come together to pray. And even though I don't invite you to the altar right now, I invite you to use wherever you are as an altar, whether here in the sanctuary or watching on live stream or Facebook, that you can kneel down or you can stand however the holy spirit leads you i invite you to join me as we lift up our prayers together may we pray father thank you for your presence here with us today both here and as folks are worshiping at home lord we love you we praise you we bow humbly before you acknowledging how great you are and how weak we are. We need you, Lord, in every area of our lives. That's why we lean upon you, the gentle, great, and good shepherd that cares for his sheep. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we do not have to fear because your rod and your staff, they comfort us. And Father, we have come today to not only sing praise and to worship you, but to cry out to you, Lord, in our need. Father, we continue to remember Julie Jackson and Steve and Nick and the loss of Julie's mother, that you would comfort her and them. And Father, may they feel your peace. Lord, we have so many that are recovering from COVID, still battling the effects from it. Father, would you bring healing to them? And we know you're the great healer and the great physician. Restore their health. Father, we pray for people that are battling cancer or other sickness. Father, would you anoint them? And we pray for doctors and nurses as they give care for guidance and wisdom. And Lord, we pray for your perfect will to be done. Lord, I pray, we pray, continue prayer for our children as they maneuver through these difficult times, some doing school in person, some at home or hybrid form. Lord, bless them, bless the parents as they juggle many responsibilities. Bless teachers and administrators, God, as they get through this challenging time. And Father, bless 
all the churches that you would help us to minister effectively through this pandemic. And God, I'm so grateful for this church, for the love and prayers and support that continue to pour out. Father, we are blessed. Lord, we pray a special prayer for our country today. Father, that our country would turn back to you. And Lord, that you would bless all of our leaders and that they too would turn to Jesus to be the answer. And we pray for a great revival and spiritual awakening. And God, may it begin in each of our hearts that we would repent from the wicked worldly ways and we would turn to Christ. And we know you're our only hope. And Father, we just pray that this virus would end soon and, and Lord, that um, some type of normalcy would come and, and Lord, that people would know that they're not alone because you promised to be with us. And Lord, if there are folks watching today or in this place that have never given their hearts and lives to Jesus, may they quit putting off, God, what they need to do now. We're not promised tomorrow. So may we get our houses in order, our lives together spiritually, and make things right before it's too late. So Father, thank you for this time we can worship. I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to sing and play through our musicians. Speak through your word and through your servant. And Father, speak to all of our hearts. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our spiritual eyes that we might hear and accept and see your love and truth. And we'll forever, forever thank you and praise you for the victories we're trusting you to bring. For it is in the strong and holy and powerful name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. This morning, if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Mark chapter 2? Mark chapter 2, grateful again for a, an ensemble from our choir that will be leading us in worship. Would you be in prayer for them as they sing in just a moment and be in prayer for me as I preach the Word of God? Begin with verse 1, Mark chapter 2. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, 
or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
Amen. Thank you all for that beautiful song and a reminder at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we claim that and praise God for that promise. But every week I like to share an attempt, a little humor, a funny saying. Did y'all hear about the big crowd that was gathered at the grand opening of the new Lego store? People were lined up for blocks. It was... <laughs> you all know how to draw a crowd, don't you? With a pencil, that's how you draw a crowd. Anyway, don't give up my day job. Big crowds are frowned upon right now, aren't they? We, we can't have a big crowd at church. We can't have a, a big crowd in a ball game. We can't have a big crowd at a restaurant. We can't even have a, a big crowd in our homes right now. And I understand why. I know completely that it's to try to keep everyone safe. I, I get that. I understand that. But do you remember when we would see big crowds? Do you remember how that was? I remember back in high school seeing a big crowd in the back foyer or in the restroom when somebody would be getting into a fight. That brought the crowd. Everybody came running hoping to see some action. Or maybe going to a restaurant that served good food. It was not uncommon to have an hour wait or to see people standing room only waiting to get in to eat at your favorite restaurant. Or I think about at church, not only in this room, but I think about being across the street, as many of y'all remember or have heard me share how God began to bless and grow this church and and we were such a small building that we had to go to two services right away and, and how we had closed circuit TV set up downstairs for the overflow and we set chairs in every possible space. You could find a chair and people sitting in the aisleways and out in the hallway and, and sitting in the choir loft or sitting back in overflow Sunday school rooms and we had to enlarge our parking lot because we did not have adequate parking to accommodate the people God was bringing. And I love sharing the story, and you all have heard me share this, some of you before, that uh, former Governor Brereton Jones showed up at one of the services at 11 o'clock, and, and uh, I was thankful and excited to see him. I was nervous. Uh, I was young and nervous then. Now I'm old and nervous now, but... I remember seeing the governor come in, and I was excited. And so at the end of the service, it was his first time to visit us. I called on him to give the benediction. He kind of looked surprised that I called on him to pray, but he prayed a beautiful prayer. And afterward, he would tell me how he arrived here. He shared that he had been out feeding his horses that morning, and I was driving from his farm on Old Frankfort Pike, and it cut through Ducker's Road, and he said he noticed it was early in the morning, and he said here was this little church out in the country, and the parking lot was full. And he said, I wonder what's going on there. So he said he was going to McDonald's to get breakfast. So he went to McDonald's, he got breakfast, said he went on back to his house, and he showered, and he got cleaned up, and he said, 
I found out you were having an 11 o'clock service. So he said, I wanted to come and see what was going on. And he said, I, I was so thrilled to come. And he shared that story as many times as I have. And through the course of the years, he and his wife, Libby, have visited here. They have a home church, but they have visited here. And he said every time he comes to worship here, he feels the Holy Spirit and he's lifted up. He's inspired each time he comes. And I'm so grateful. And I think about that. But we all long for those days when we can see a crowd. In our scripture today, we see that, that Jesus had gone into Capernaum, which was on the northwest border town on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. And it was there that Jesus had, had made this really a base for his ministry in the, the region of Galilee. And we know that in Mark chapter 1, he had been at Peter's house, Simon Peter's house, because Jesus had healed Peter's mother-in-law. He touched her and her fever left. So we believe that once again, Jesus is at Peter's house when this story takes place. And it said in verse 2 of Mark chapter 2 that the crowds that gathered were so large that there was no room left, not even outside the door. There were so many people, there was such a crowd of people that there was no room at all. And we know that there was a man there who had a great need, and Jesus was able to meet his need, and then some, and to help him to be restored or to rebound from this seemingly helpless and hopeless situation. People are still looking today, aren't they? People are still searching. What do they serve? People are looking for the action. <laughs> People are looking to see where the action is. People are still looking for good food. Uh, people are still looking to cheer about something for the underdog. People are, are still looking for times to be together with friends and family. People are, are looking for love. People are looking for acceptance. People are looking for forgiveness. People are searching for happiness. People are looking for peace. People are looking for a place where they can go and Feel at home. And however you come here today or however you are watching today, I pray that you would find all these answers in Christ, that you'll find everything you've been looking for in Jesus. Because we find out in this story, he can meet our every need. And no matter what your needs are today, he wants to meet you and meet me right where we are in our condition. For the last several weeks, We've been going through a sermon series called Rebound. We've been looking at stories in Scripture of people that, again, seem to be in a helpless and hopeless situation. And then through God's divine power, they were able to bounce back or to rebound from their situation. And I want you to know today that some of you are here and, and maybe you're wondering if you're ever going to be able to bounce back from this crazy pandemic. You're going to be able to bounce back from the pain you've been experiencing, from your loneliness, from your depression, from your anxiety, from your addiction, from your relationship woes, from your financial situation, 
from your seemingly hopeless circumstance? And the answer is, with God's divine power, yes, we can. We can bounce back and maybe even be stronger and better than we've ever been before. God has that kind of power to help you and to help me. But through this particular scripture, we see that, that this man was able to rebound and to bounce back through the strength of God's word. Through the strength of God's word, there was such a large crowd that gathered around him that there was no room left at all, not even at the door. And it said, and then Jesus got up and preached the word. Jesus got up and preached the word in verse 2. What was the word that Jesus was preaching to this multitude of people, to this big crowd? Well, we can go back to Mark chapter 1 and look in verses 14 and 15. Jesus uh, came into Galilee preaching the good news of God. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. So he preached, repent and believe the good news. That's what he was preaching. The time has come. The time has come for his ministry to begin. He said, uh, the kingdom of God is near. What is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is a present reality, and it's also a, a, a future hope for you and me. It's the reign and rule of Christ in our hearts and lives, both now and in eternity. And so Jesus was preaching that the kingdom of God was near. But not only that, his message was twofold. He said to repent. Do we live in a day and time where people need to repent? I think so. You know, what's sad is our world has been turned upside down, and there are so many things that, that used to be right that are now deemed wrong, and so many things that used to be wrong that now everybody thinks is right. So many things that people thought were good are now bad, and things that were bad, everybody accepts it as good. But we need repent. repentance is when we have a change of mind, change of heart, change of direction. I was living this way, and I'm going to turn, repent, from the world's ways, from evil, from wickedness, from immorality, from the things of this world. And I was sent a text by one of our sweet members yesterday, and they shared with me about a, a message that was given by Bible prophecy teacher Jonathan Kahn. And in that video, he was giving a message to our president and to all of us who know Christ that if there was ever a time to repent and come to God, it is today. That we must repent from the things that we have made this world and start living for God before it's too late. That we turn back to God. And it was a reminder that we all need to repent from something, don't we? None of us are perfect for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So a lot of people like to come to Christ, but they don't want to stop doing what they know they ought not be doing. And we must repent, turn away from things that we know are wrong, and start living for Christ. 
You can't say I love Jesus and keep living for the world. You can't say you're a follower of Christ and you keep following the world. It's time that we must choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I pray that you would serve the Lord and follow him. The message he said was to repent and believe the good news. Simply stated, you know what the good news is? God loves you and he will forgive you. That's the good news. And some of you are here today and you feel like I've messed up in such a royal way that there's no way God could ever love me and that God could ever forgive me. That's a devil's lie. He loves you unconditionally and he forgives even the unforgivable. And if you're here and you've done something, you've thought something, you've acted upon something, God knows. But he still loves you and he still loves me. And he wants to forgive us. So when Jesus saw this crowd, he said, this is an opportunity to preach the word. The good news is that God loves you and loves me and he forgives you and he forgives me. And we too are to be prepared when we're around folks to preach the word. You remember what Paul told his son in the ministry, Timothy? In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, he said, Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. He was saying we all must be prepared when we're given an opportunity. Jesus saw this as a golden opportunity. Why did these crowds flock? They had already seen Jesus cast an evil spirit from a man. They knew there was something going on. They were looking for someone that could help them in their helpless and hopeless state. And know today that God has the power to help you and to help me. And we must be ready to preach the word. Why? And Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word, David said, is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. And so we are lost without the word of God, and we must be prepared to preach. I was reminded of a story when I was preparing this sermon about preaching the word. I was a youth minister at the time when I received a call from a guard at what used to be a minimum security prison out between uh, the library and archives in Franklin County Regional Jail. Now I think it's a state police training academy, but it used to be a minimum security prison. People maybe that were about to come out of the system, they had served hard time maybe in a federal penitentiary and they were on their way out. Well, I received a a call from a guard there and said I was late. I had broken curfew. Anyway, no, I'm kidding you. Just seeing if you're listening. But I received a call from the guard there, and he said, hey, he said, uh, somebody gave me your name that you might have a church basketball team or that you might can assemble a group of guys. We have a basketball team here at the prison and we were wondering if y'all would like to play us or scrimmage us uh, at some point. 
And I said, you know what? I think so. I said, I'd like for us to do that. I said, but here's the deal. I will play basketball. We'll play against your prison team. Here's the deal. I get to preach to them afterward. And he said, that sounds like a good deal. And so they didn't bring just five guys or ten guys. They brought a whole bus. And they came. I, I worked it out with Elkhorn Middle School that we could get into the gym. And uh, some buddies and I were playing and stretching. You know, there was only about six or seven. And I, well, they filed out of that bus. I think there was like 40 Guys, and some of them ex-college players. I think maybe a guy even played pro ball. And, and, you know, there we were down there warming up, and, you know, and they were just kind of staring down at us. And, and to be honest with you, I was a little nervous. I was a little scared, but I thought, you know what? God, you're in this. You organize this. You put this together. And so the game started, and normally I'd guard somebody all up on them. Well, I was about this far from my man. <laughs> I'm kidding you. I wasn't. But I did get up, get up on him, and I was guarding, and, and we had the best game. And, and you know what? It, it didn't get too awfully physical. I mean, there were a few elbows thrown and everything. And, and at the end, I remember like it was yesterday, they all set up in one section of the bleachers. And I had my Bible sitting there on one of the bleachers. And I got, and here I was, a young man, and I... I began to preach out of God's word. You know what the message was? God loves you and he will forgive you. That was the, me the simple message was that God loves you and he will forgive you. And then I'll never forget, and I've done this for vacation Bible school through the years. I asked two or three of the inmates to come down on the floor and I said, you see the goal right up here, the basketball goal and and I want you to stand here at the top of the key. And, and I said, I want you with all your might to try, to try to jump as far as you can to get to the goal, okay? That, I want you to try your best. And everybody began to try to jump. And where they would jump, they'd move over, and then the next guy would jump. And I said, what happened? They said, we didn't make it. And I said, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I said, where you all fell short, I came and I laid down on the gym floor. And I spread out my arms. And I said, where you fell short, Jesus laid down his life that we could walk over that bridge and have eternal life. I said, that goal is heaven. And we all want to get there one day, but it's only through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And maybe the visual and them seeing that and seeing that I was a regular guy too that enjoyed playing ball and getting out and mixing it up. At the end, I did a sinner's prayer and asked if anybody wanted to receive Christ. 22 of those inmates, to God be the glory, accepted Christ on that day from a basketball game. And that's the Spirit of God these may have been some good guys who made some bad choices and decisions in their life. Maybe it was their first crime, and they got caught, and they felt like they were in a helpless or hopeless situation, but I wanted them to know that God loved them 
just like God loves you and me. And he forgives us. And all we have to do is cry out to him. Jesus preached the word of God. And then in verse 3 it said, Some men came bringing a paralyzed man. And he was carried by four of them. There was a four guys that came. And the second way we bounce back, not only through the strength of God's word, but by the support of godly family and friends. By the support of godly family and friends. Get this picture. There was a crowd gathered. People are drawn to crowds. And I've heard studies have been done where people will just start standing in a line outside on the street and people will come and join the line and somebody will say, what are you all waiting for? I don't know, but there were people here waiting, so I figured something was going on. And so they saw the crowd of people in a Palestinian home. There was a, a flat roof and there was an outward stairway that would lead up to the roof. And, and these men... They, they saw Jesus there. They loved this man who was paralyzed enough that they were willing to do whatever it took to get him to Jesus. He couldn't save himself from an incurable disease. We can't save ourselves from an incurable disease called sin. And sometimes our strength is so weak that we can't help but be carried by people whose faith might be stronger than ours, especially during a difficult time. And so these men or family members, friends, carried this man who was paralyzed. We don't know what his ailment was except he couldn't walk. Did he have two broken legs? Doubtful that he was paraplegic or quadriplegic because they probably would have died because there would not have been the medicine to save them. Was it a fact that maybe he had had an accident or he had fallen from a, a tall distance and, and injured his spinal cord? There was some reason he couldn't walk and he needed someone to help carry him to Jesus. What are we willing to do to get people to Jesus? How are we carrying our family members and friends, somebody we love, how can we bring them or carry them to Jesus? Bible teacher, preacher, Dr. David Jeremiah gave some ways that we can carry our friends or bring our friends and family to Jesus. He said one of the ways we can bring them to Jesus is through intercession. Now, what do I mean by that? That means we plead with Jesus in prayer. We pray for them. We plead for their salvation. We're interceding just as the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf with groans that words cannot express. We pray. Do you have somebody right now that you've been praying for maybe for years that they're going to be saved, that they're going to come to Jesus? You don't give up on them. You keep praying for them. But not only did he say we can bring them to Jesus by intercession, by prayer, but also through conversation. How many times do you bring up a conversation about Jesus to a family member or a friend? 
Tell them what Jesus has done for you and what he's done for you, he can do for them. That's basically sharing your story, your testimony. And if you know Christ, we all have a testimony, don't we? We all can say, this is what my life was before Christ. This is how I came to know Christ. And this is how my life has been since coming to Jesus. We all have a story. Have a conversation with someone and bring them to Jesus. Thirdly, we can carry them or bring them to Jesus by an invitation. Literally saying, hey, I'm going to pick you up for church. Hey, let's go get breakfast first, and then we'll go to church. I'll meet you out in the foyer. Let's sit together in the service. I'll take you out afterward for lunch. But we're giving an invitation to people. This, this is God's house. This is where his Holy Spirit is active and moving among his people. I want you to experience that. I want to invite you. I'm going to come carry you, bring you to God's house. And why should we do that? Well, Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, to carry each other's burdens. And in doing this, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And what was the law of Christ? The law of Christ was to love. And if you read in, in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus said to his disciples before going to the cross, a new command I give you, you must love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If we love people, we have to be willing to do whatever it takes. Picture this. Here are these four men, family members, dear friends, who were carrying this man. They went to the trouble, heard Jesus had come back to town, his home base there in the region of Galilee. Hey, Jesus has come home. Let's get our loved one that we love so much who hadn't been able to walk in years. Let's get him to Jesus. How easy would it have been when they got to the house Standing room, there wasn't even any room outside the door to have said, oh, too bad, line's too long. We'll try another time. I mean, we've had that, haven't we? We've gone to a restaurant, wait's too long. Nah, gone to a drive-thru, it's not moving. I don't want to wait. I'll come back another time. People have come to church before, can't find a parking place. I can't find my seat. I'm going to leave. How easy have we given up before? These guys said, this is our opportunity to get our friend to the only one who can save him and help him. So they climbed up those steps on the outside of that Palestinian home and they went up to that flat roof and, and those roofs were made of clay and there were branches and twigs over top some wooden beams and that's how they began to dig through it. And they made an opening in between those wooden beams. Can you picture this? Jesus is in a standing room only house preaching the word. And then boom, dirt starts falling. Earth starts falling in clay. And people are going, what is going on? And then these four friends, godly people, begin to lower their friend, all holding the corner of a rope into the presence of Jesus. 
that's a beautiful picture that they loved him so much. We're going to do, and it was difficult to do. But they didn't let that stop them. They lowered him in so he could be in the presence of Jesus. They were trying to get him to the only one who could save him. If we could have that kind of desire to get our family and friends to Christ, we give up so easily, don't they? They're not interested. <laughs> it's not worth the time and effort. I've been talking to them for years. But I'm going to write them off. We don't give up on people. You know why? God doesn't give up on us. He doesn't give up on us. He's given us how many chances? Multiple. I'll run when I'm jogging. I, I pray and, and I'll say, God, thank you for giving me a second chance. But then I'll say, and third chance and fourth chance. And for all the times you've given me a chance when I've messed up. Thank you, God. Years ago, there was a couple that came here, a family that came to this church. Some of y'all might remember Ashish and Lydia Tanuku. They were a family from India, and they had two precious children, and, and they were godly people. And you might remember Ashish's father was an evangelist in India, Dr. Prasad. And Dr. Prasad, if you're watching right now, I'd like to say hello to you and blessings upon you and your ministry because he's been watching our services. And, and you talk about bringing friends to Christ. I love that just before the service, Haley out here said she's been inviting friends of hers and coworkers to watch the service. That's one way right now during this time that we can reach people is saying, hey, check out our service by watching so if you're Haley's friend, I say hey to you. I'm sorry about the bad joke today. But anyway, but we are to do whatever it takes. Dr. Prasad, who's an evangelist in India, and y'all might remember when he would come to preach, he would take off his shoes as he would preach, and he would walk up here, and he said it was because he was on, standing on holy ground. And he would preach so powerfully the word of God. But you know how Ashish and Lydia would try to bring their friends to Christ? There would be a birthday party at their house or some type of celebration. And they would invite Kelly and me to come over to their house. Now, do you hear me? This is a birthday party or some type of celebration, anniversary or something. And they would invite a lot of their friends who also were from India. And many of them were not Christians and practiced other religious beliefs. And they would invite us to come to share God's word with them. How many of us have a birthday party and say, hey, let's call Todd over to preach? <laughs> Why y'all laughing? <laughs> All right, we're having an anniversary celebration. Let's see if Todd and Kelly want to come over and share God's word. But I was so humbled and honored that they would invite us over to share Christ. That was their way of carrying, lifting up their friends and trying to give them the hope of Jesus. A lesson we all can learn from my friends, Ashish and Lydia. But in this story, we see the support from godly friends and family 
But lastly, we can bounce back or rebound by the Son of Man's authority. By the Son of Man's authority. Now, this is where the story kind of takes a turn where at first when you hear it and read it, you're like going, oh, I don't understand that. So after, in verse 4, they make this opening and they're lowering their friend to Jesus. In verse 5, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Does, when you hear that does, that, does that not at first make you go, huh? What? It kind of makes you go, what, what, do you, what does he mean, son, your sins are forgiven? And so there were some religious leaders who were there, and they were thinking to themselves, who is this? Only God can forgive sins. This man is blaspheming. And when Jesus, in his spirit, knew what they were thinking, that lets you and me know he knows what we're thinking too. When Jesus, in his spirit, knew what they were thinking, he said to them, which is easier for the Son of Man to say your sins are forgiven or get up, take up your mat, and walk? And what he was saying basically was, Equally, they are as hard for man, but equally, they're as easy for God. It's impossible for us to save ourselves and to heal ourselves in a miracle, but it's easy for God if that's his will. And so when he said, son, your sins are forgiven, he saw the greatest and deepest need first. And the greatest and deepest need for any of us is to get our spiritual lives in order with Christ. That's first most important. This man was paralyzed. But Jesus said, your greatest need is you need salvation first. And Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. Then he said in, in verse 11, so he said to the man, Get up, take up your mat, and go home. And it said that the, the man got up and walked out in few, full view of everyone, and they were astonished and said, we have never seen anything like this. This is, this is amazing. And when Jesus said, the Son of Man, the Son of Man has the authority, verse 10 the Son of Man, he said, has been given the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus referred to himself 81 times in the Gospels as the Son of Man. He's the only one that called himself the Son of Man. And if you look back in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel prophesied about a heavenly figure that would reign with sovereignty and power and authority. And that person he was referring to was Jesus. And you remember at the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has the authority and the power to save you today and to heal you and me today. Do you believe that? I do. I believe it. He has the authority 
He's in control still. He can save you and me, and he can deliver us or heal us no matter our hopeless situation that we're in. And I want you to be encouraged today. And maybe you've come in today and you were thinking, you know what, this is just another service, just going to go through the motions, can't wait to get out. Look, he's already gone almost eight minutes after 12. Like, where else are you going to go today? <laughs> it's been amazing when I've seen people running stoplights and on a go, and I'm like, where are they going? Can't really go much anywhere right now, but... But maybe God had you here or had you to watch today because this was for you. Maybe you were as helpless as this paralytic and somebody loved you enough to invite you to church or invited you to watch the service. Or maybe you've been inspired that you're going to go carry someone this week to do whatever you can do to get them to Jesus. But maybe you don't know him yet. Jesus sees your deepest and greatest need. Would you ask him to forgive you of your sins? And we all are sinners, and he'll do it. He loves you that much. Or maybe you're here and you're a Christian, and you've gotten off track. You've been discouraged by all this craziness. You've been angry. You've grown bitter. You've got some unforgiveness. You've gotten all bent out of shape about all the political stuff and the way the world is. Don't let the devil have any glory or victory. Rise above him. Rise above and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So we're going to be responsible to do what Jesus would have us to do. Or maybe you've been looking for a church. Man, this is a field hospital for the sin, sick, and hurting, not a club for the righteous. We're all sinners in need of God's grace. We'd love to have you to be a member of this church. We're going to get back to semi-normal one of these days. But right now, you need love and support. When I was preaching that point about, I failed to say of all the times where my family and many of you have carried me when my strength has not been enough. By your words of encouragement, by your text and the passing of my father, and lifting up my mother and family in prayer, you all have carried me when I felt like saying, I can't do this anymore. I can't be strong for everybody else when I'm weak. But you've carried me through your prayers and love and support, and I'll never forget that. And I hope I've been able to help carry you when your strength hasn't been enough to pray for you and to be there for you when you've been hurting and down. That's what Christian family, that's what we do. And if you're looking for a church, we're not perfect. I say it all the time, but, but as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, he is perfect and he'll never let you down. He'll only lift you up. Today, won't you allow him to carry you even now into salvation as we pray. Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there are any folks watching or in this room, and Father, they've never given their heart and life to you, just as this man on the mat, God, 
had to first get his spiritual life in order before he would be healed physically. And it said, when Jesus saw their faith, the ones carrying him and the man, then he said, your sins are forgiven. May we have enough faith to come to you just as we are with our brokenness, with our health issues, with our depression, with our addiction, with our anxiety, with our relationship struggles, our financial woes, that we'll come to you and allow you, Father, to lift us up and to forgive us. Lord, maybe there are Christians that, again, have grown bitter or angry or critical. Father, give us all your heart that we would carry one another's burdens instead of making the burden greater on someone else, but that we would pray for one another and talk to one another, encourage one another. Lord, that we would invite people to come to Jesus because he's our only hope. Or Lord, maybe there are folks looking for a church home. I love this church, God. And I'm thankful, Lord, for the love and prayers of this church family that have supported and loved me and helped me so much through the years. Thank you for them, Lord. Father, I pray during this time of invitation, whether someone's at home or in this room, that they would put aside all the distractions and they would look to you and know that you're going to add all these other things unto us when we seek first Jesus and his righteousness. So give us the courage, God, the boldness, just as these men were bold to lower their friend through the roof. There was an opening. Here's an open opportunity for someone to come to Jesus. May we not miss this moment. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand and come if you're here as we sing a hymn of commitment, invitation. Turn your eyes upon Jesus.
for being here today and for worshiping with us. I pray that whether you were here or watching at home, you could feel the presence of the Lord and that you are comforted, challenged, inspired to live for Jesus and to do whatever it takes to bring others to know Christ, especially with the uncertainty of tomorrow. While we don't even know what will happen tomorrow, what are our lives? We are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So let's get our lives in order with Jesus today before it's too late. And I pray you would leave with that hope. You'll be receiving, if you're on our church email list, discussion questions that you can talk about with your family or with friends. You can do it over the phone or online together, however the Holy Spirit leads. And, and I hope it will help you to grow more in your faith. Don't forget to join us virtually Wednesday night at 6. We'd love to have you join us for a time of devotion and prayer on Wednesday nights. I, we continue to pray our staff, our safety risk management, to pray for the leadership of the Holy Spirit as we continue to try to keep you safe by, while still ministering. At the 8.30 service, we opened up our children's wing excuse me, for a trial. I think there were 20 kids there today and had a lot of families there helping. So, and if uh, this is successful after a, a few uh, weeks, we will open up that opportunity for 11 as well. But we're trying to, to meet needs and to minister the best we can. So thank you for your continued love, prayers, support. We couldn't do it without you. But know how much I and we love you, and remember how much God loves you. Thank you for worshiping. Bill, if you would lead us in a closing song. Thank you and God bless you. Have a great week.